Hi, I'm Mark Lynch of George Washington University and the Project on Middle East Political Science. Welcome back to the POMEPS podcast, our series of conversations with top scholars in the field. And with me today is Amani Jamal of Princeton University. Uh, Amani, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Nice to be here. We're actually recording from Princeton, where we are taking part in a really interesting conference on social justice after the Arab transitions or after the Arab uprising. Uh, it was co-organized by POMEPS, uh, along with the American University of Beirut, Princeton University, the BOPE Center. And uh, we have about 40 scholars here, including a very large number of scholars from the region. Uh, Amani, this was largely your idea. Tell us more about how you think this fits into how political science has responded to the Arab uprisings? Well, that's a really good question, Mark. Um, the, the, the sort of idea behind this conference was that there's a lot going on in the region and since the Arab uprisings. That there are a lot of uh, um, incidents and patterns and developments that are going on, not necessarily systematically across the region, but within each country you're seeing some really interesting developments. So one of the ideas was that if we could bring scholars from the Middle East, they would shed some important empirical light on some of the developments in the region. I think we as political scientists in the U.S., especially after the Arab uprising, became particularly interested, almost invested in, and almost exclusively focused on theorizing the reasons behind the Arab uprisings, um, how might those Arab uprisings fit into our existing models of, let's say, protest movements or revolutions or transitions, if you may. And by doing so, which is, which is what, A, political scientists are supposed to do, but by doing so, I think we sort of missed out on some of the empirical anomalies, if you may, and empir empirical nuances develop developing on the ground in ways that I think hurt our theorizing because uh, in terms of missing you know, certain patterns, whether it was about the way labor was protesting or whether um, certain rights groups were mobilizing or the ways in which regimes were responding, um, if we didn't, if we didn't get the story down right, we weren't going to be able to theorize adequately about it. So, in a sense, this conference um, is an attempt to address that. So, to bring more empirical knowledge about the region back to political science um, here at Princeton. Um, in the same vein, um, what we're hoping, in terms of what Princeton is is hoping to contribute to this project, is that um, we see ourselves on on the U.S. side of the the equation, um, uh, a Middle East constituency that's very in, very much invested in building and contributing to political science paradigms. So hopefully by um, our engagement and participation in the conference, we're able to encourage scholars from the region to also think uh, along the lines of um, larger theoretical paradigms and things of that sort. So um, we wanted to resist this idea of patronizing, if you may, the region by basically saying our model of political science is one that we're going to reify and impose on, on, on academia in the Middle East. Um, what we're hoping to do with this conference is say, look, we stand to benefit tremendously from the knowledge generation process in the region, um, and we hope to contribute to that knowledge generation process as well. So in a way, it's a mutually beneficial conference, and I need to say that it sort of also comes out of a vision of our donor, Mamdouh Habobst, who um, has spent a lot of time working in, in the areas of charitable giving and philanthropy. Um, and this was a vision of hers which she wanted to see more direct engagement with Middle East scholars and uh, Western, if you may, Western scholars or scholars based in Europe and the United States. And there she felt that there wasn't enough of that going on. And you know, the truth is, I, I tend to full heartedly agree with that assessment. 
I think there's a lot of engagement to be had, a lot of uh, cooperation to be done, and um, and so this is just one effort to move us in that direction. And you know, this has been kind of a, a point of emphasis for a number of different organizations. Uh, you and I have both been involved with the uh, the American Political Science Association, the APSAMINA uh, workshops, and all trying to find ways to better engage with and to support uh, uh, political scientists based in the region, scholars from the region. Um, and there's some, and this is something which is hugely important for the reasons that you've said, and there's also problems that we faced in, in trying to do so. Um, but one thing I like about this conference is, as you say, is that this, this, it's, it's fully a conference of equals. These are political scientists based in the region and not in the region, um, and I, th I think that's extremely important. Um, but what are some of the things, I mean, in the abstract, I mean, it obviously seems important and useful to hear from scholars in the region. What are some of the things that you think that they are catching that kind of perhaps the more general political scientists are missing? So I think what they're capturing is quite honestly like their lived experiences. I mean, they are they, the, the scholars coming from the region are seeing things um, in a much more nuanced, nuanced and uh, empirically sophisticated way, if you may, um, that we, I think, on this side of the Atlantic are just not able to appreciate, at least not while we're here. Um, and th these conversations, I, uh, I, I don't view them as like a foil in our theorizing. I, I, I see them as ways of fine-tuning and trying to engage theoretical paradigms with, with an eye on empirical nuances um, that will enhance the way we think about certain things. Often we've heard uh, scholars from the region, not just in the Middle East, but elsewhere, um, I, I would say even like area studies in general, maybe pushing back against that, saying we're not simply producers of empirical knowledge, we're also theorists. And there's this idea that this can actually recreate some of those inequalities within the discipline. And I think that's not what this conference is about, because it really is something which is everyone's producing theory, everyone's engaged with empirics. Right. Uh, but I think this is not the way it's tr it's always been. Um, yeah, no, perhaps not. I think w when you go back to the 1980s divide or area studies versus political science divide, that became much more uh, uh, striking separation, if you may, between um, you know case study knowledge and knowing your cases versus sort of fitting in this mold of, of especially in the field of political science, like fitting in the mold of like what is a theoretical field of political science. And some people were not interested in engaging that theoretical paradigm. Right. I think today we've bridged that gap. That debate is sort of over. We train our students in language skills and in statistical skills. It's, I mean, I think that that's now the, the, the kind of the, industry norm. It's the standard. And we, we train them for, with statistics and case studies and qualitative methods, and we equip them with the tools to better understand how to conduct research. So we, it's very important to, to emphasize that the research side of the equation is still there, and that still requires... Uh, case study or area studies knowledge and experience. Now, some you know there, there's different variations in t in terms of how much area studies, right? And mm -hmm. there's no one right answer because it really depends on the type of questions you're answering. But I think as a discipline as a whole, even in my conversations with colleagues in, in the in the Middle East, um, that gap between what is political science theory um, and what is what is not is is, is closing in. Um, I think when I'm in the Middle East, I, I find that there's a lot of demand among Middle Eastern political scientists um, to have stronger research capacity, 
um, stronger and more rigorous training, more theoretical engagement with existing paradigms. Um, uh, for example, I'm visiting Beer State University uh, later this month, and you know, just core textbooks uh, are missing from their curriculum. So, so. Um, there's demand to have those tech book, textbooks or access to these materials uh, because this is the way you're going to enhance social science work in the region. And that's one of the motivating impulses with the Apps Amino workshop, exactly. but also the Arab Barometer, uh, which you're so heavily involved with, exactly. always working with local partners, always building local capacity to do survey research. Right. And we try to, we, one of the things that we have emphasized in our work is to always work with local partners, never basically to outsource our work to le marketing firms or to mm -hmm firms that can do the polling. We've always wanted to work with trainers, uh, researchers on the ground. Um, and in many ways, we've wanted to build research capacity on the ground. So in, in, alongside the Arab Barometer program, our programs to train uh, people to do this kind of research, whether it's about sampling or research design or questionnaire design and execution, um, a lot of those people have come through the University of Michigan uh, for training. Um, and there is this, and we have gone to the region to uh, enhance the training as well. So we see this very much as a reciprocal process in terms of um, building strong ties and networks in the region. And hopefully, this will help. Um, you know, with, with the training of a future generation of social scientists as well. Just in, in defense of political science, though, I mean, you've heard me say this before, but I mean, I absolutely agree with you about the importance of, uh, of local scholars embedded within their context. But I think the political scientists have something to contribute too. So, for example, if you're Egyptian caught up in revolutionary politics, to you, uh, you're going to feel that the that what's happening on July third, two thousand thirteen, is utterly unique, right? That this is this moment captured by the nuance of a revolutionary moment, et cetera. And people sitting on the other side of the pond, maybe they don't quite appreciate that fervor, but they also can see the classic nature of a coup, right. and they can put it into a broader comparative perspective. And so in, in a sense, I, that, I like the idea of a dialogue between the, the multiple perspectives and going back and forth and back and forth and eventually getting it right. Right. No, that's exactly right. I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say, I, I totally agree with you. In, in, in many ways, the spirit of this conference is just that, this, this sort of reciprocal engagement, uh, two-way street in terms of diffusing more knowledge. Um, but if I, if I may take your example, I think what, what I was trying to emphasize in terms of, uh, you know, bringing more empirical nuance about what's happening, I mean, what we might see from here on this side of the pond as a coup might actually be, um, you know, some dissent or might just be a protest movement or might just be... So, so in terms of capturing the nuances mm -hmm. on the ground in terms of informing how we might classify these things even or thinking about them in broader theoretical terms, it's, it's important to have this continuous engagement. I think the continuous engagement is the most imp important part. I don't yeah. think that either of these communities has a monopoly on knowledge. On, on knowledge. No. And I think that having more and more engagement like this is, is, is extraordinarily important. You know, one of the big things that's happening right now uh, with you know, the debate inside of, of Middle East political science and scholarship more general is, you know, Western academics getting access to these countries, being right. able to go there. Right. I mean, we, we're all still very shaken by the murder 
of uh, Julia Regini and uh, a PhD student uh, working on labor movements right. and a, a broader environment in Egypt mm-hmm. uh, and frankly across the entire region right. of not just insecurity but the active targeting right. of researchers, academics, NGOs and that applies both to Westerners and to local uh, organizations and citizens and it's a, this environment makes it very difficult uh, to you know, think about things like uh, how to conduct safe research and effective research. And I know we've all been thinking a lot about how this is going to shape the field. And I'm curious your your take on on you know, this broad question. You know, I'm really worried about this in terms of the in terms of thinking about our field as one that benefits from on the ground work and field work and constant engagement. It's hard, it's hard to imagine being a Middle East expert and not being able to go to the Middle East. It, right. it doesn't make any sense. Well, yeah, and so now we see a bunch a variety of cases whether it's Syria, whether it's Egypt, whether it's uh, Yemen, uh, Libya. Um, you know, people are, are sometimes concerned about Lebanon, right? I mean, these are... Uh, Bahrain, Bahrain uh, the Gulf states. The Gulf states, all of them. Like, you know, these are our... Re- this is the, the research laboratory, and if we don't have access to the laboratory, if you may, uh, not... I mean, not to say that there yeah, is yeah. a lab. We don't have... It's going to be very difficult to do the research. It's going to change the nature of the field. Yeah, and so my worry is that you're going to have increasingly more and more students decide not to do the Middle East in this time, and what's going to happen is sort of what we have now in the... In the discipline, which we have, we we can go through an entire decade where nobody's really studying the Middle East, and we see these huge gaps in the field. Um, and w- what we've learned is that when people with knowledge studying the Middle East are not doing the Middle East, other people will step in to do it. And so then Middle East establishment is caught up trying to correct those mis- mi- misperceptions. I mean, um, or or basically. In, inaccurate facts about the region. Right. Um, and I think that's one of the things that has hurt Middle East studies. I mean, we're, we're probably the only subfield that's still dealing with like Islam as a dummy. Um, and, as, and, 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 and that's supposed to, in, in its entirety, have this very potent yeah. explanation about what's going on. And we're faced with this, this real tension, right? Between on the one hand, if Western scholars are unable to go to these countries, we become more dependent on local scholars. Exactly. But that also places them at greater risk. It does, and this is a big issue that you know we have to be concerned about um, in terms of you know um, I mean we just to to bring this up, Mark, like even right now in the Arab barometer, we are very conscientious of the fact that we don't want to put any of our scholars or partners um, in the line of fire vis-a-vis their own gov- you know governments or uh, local populations. So we are asking a lot of these questions, like you know. We're willing to pull questions off the Arab barometer. We're, we're willing to sort of self-censor, if you may, just for now, um, because the, it, it's an environment that, that sort of requires this level of caution. Well, it's going to be a major issue shaping the field uh, going forward. Um, well, well, thank you, uh, Manny Jamal, Princeton University. Thanks for joining uh, the Poems podcast. Uh, it's been great being here for this conference, and uh, thanks for joining us on the show. Yeah, I know, and thanks to Poems for co-sponsoring and co-organizing. It's a real pleasure to do this. Thank you. Thank you.